0: When I was thinking of uh, doing this, one of the things I thought about, and it happens quite a bit on television, there's a a movie, oh, my grandfather's moving in with me and we're going to have to look after him. And, you know, he's 74 years old and things like that. And and, uh, that stereotype that grandparents and older people really, uh, after retirement, there's nothing left for them to do. I want to Make sure we destroy that totally and educate all generations, actually, uh, that there's lots of things that we can do and we can get involved and we can get out of our comfort zone and try new things.
1: Welcome to Aging in Style, the podcast dedicated to celebrating aging and what it takes to do it well. I'm Lori Williams. I'm a certified senior advisor and senior housing expert. In each episode, you'll learn stories of older adults who are thriving in their 70s, 80s, 90s, in some cases in their hundreds. Whether you're an older adult or the child of an older adult, this podcast is filled with insightful resources, organizations that are doing incredible work and stories that will inspire you to volunteer, learn, and who knows, maybe even skydive in your golden years. Hi, welcome to Aging in Style. Okay, I've been trying for probably about a month, I think. We've been trying to connect schedules with this next guest. His name is Bob Fletcher, and he is on the Octogenarian Odyssey. And okay, this is amazing. He is riding a bicycle from Alaska to Panama, and he's staying in Airbnbs along the way. And he is 80 years old, just turned 80 in August. And he's an adventure cyclist from Alberta, Canada. We're just going to get into talking to him because I have so many questions, and I'm sure you all do too. So, welcome, Bob Fletcher.
0: Well, thank you very much. So happy to be with you. Uh, We tried to schedule this for a month or so, and life on the road, trying to meet deadlines and get to places, uh, has created a problem, and especially when we ran into a hurricane a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah. A
1: A hurricane will stop you in your tracks, right? You have several goals for doing this, and uh one of the one of the things I know is that you're trying to break the existing world record for the longest journey made by a motorized bicycle, and you said that that has changed. It was eighty four hundred miles, but now, how many miles do you have to go to break the record?
0: It was eighty four hundred kilometers roughly how okay. uh, it is set uh, I guess most of your listeners are from the United States, so mm-hmm. Set at 7,000 miles, a young couple whose handle is Nipper and Flipper (laughs) from Florida set that almost two months ago. So the bar is much higher, and I got got another 2,000 kilometers to go. I'm on 9,000 right now, so I'm getting close.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. So we were talking earlier, and you said that one of your main goals is to educate the younger generation that older people aren't just sitting in front of the TV. They're out doing some amazing feats. So you want to share a little bit uh, with our listeners?
0: When I was thinking of uh, doing this, one of the things I thought about, and it happens quite a bit on television, there's a a movie, oh, my grandfather's moving in with me. and We're going to have to look after him. And, you know, he's 74 years old and things like that. And and, uh, that stereotype that grandparents and older people really uh, after retirement there's nothing left for them to do i want to make sure we destroy that totally and educate all generations actually uh, that there's lots of things that we can do and we can get involved and we can get out of our comfort zone and try new things and you mentioned uh one of your guests was parachuting out airplanes at the age Absolutely. of 80 you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And that is definitely one of my missions to just sort of dispel that um, that stereotype because it, age is just a number, you know, you can continue doing whatever you want. It's about mindset. If you have in your mind that I'm 74 and I can't do anything anymore, well, that's what's going to happen.
0: <laughs> I get criticized that uh, people say, oh, in your mindset, you're still a teenager, uh, you know, but... Uh, I like to think I'm a little older than a teenager.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I put my mindset about 29. I think I'm going to stay there. (laughs) So tell us exactly what a motorized bicycle or e-bike is, because I wasn't familiar with that.
0: Basically, it's a bicycle. It looks like a bicycle in most ways, shapes and forms, but it has an electric motor on it that's run by batteries. One I'm riding is the Avello Bicycle, the Atlas, and uh, it has a power assist. So when I turn on the battery, I get an assist. I still have to pedal. If I don't pedal, I'm going to fall off unless mm-hmm. I'm going down a hill. Uh, so I have to pedal, and I have five power assists that increase the amount of assist that i'm giving so i usually ride with power assist one which is about a 50 percent boost in my power that it adds on to so it makes it easier for me to to pedal it makes it a lot easier to climb the mountains that i've been climbing and it's just generally very very comfortable to ride and it's a, it's a pleasure to do it and with an e-bike most people thought oh you can't ride very far you got a battery the battery's going to that eye on you and things like that. We've already ridden all the way from North Pole, Alaska, down here with uh, a two battery system that I use, and then we charge it at night. I don't have a throttle on it, so I cannot ride it like a motorbike. Uh, All those electric bikes do have a throttle where you can just twist the handle and you can ride it like a motorbike. Uh, I'm still interested in uh, riding a bicycle and pedaling.
1: Great. Okay. So how did you decide on this route going from Alaska to, well, I guess you went to Mexico City. You did Alaska to Mexico City in 2015. So how did you decide to go further and go all the way to Panama?
0: (laughs) I always regretted that I didn't go all the way uh, the last time we did this. Uh, The last time was with a tour group and I think uh, 13 of us rode from uh, Anchorage, Alaska to Mexico City. So when I was Thinking of doing this, I didn't want to ride the same route, so I changed it as much as possible to give me a different view of the country, such as the interior of British Columbia, rather than coming down the Alberta side of the Rockies, the Pacific coast of the United States, was incredible.
1: Mm, I bet that was beautiful.
0: Oh, yeah, it's outstanding. And then uh, I went down the Baja Peninsula and took the ferry over to Mazaland. This time I came down the other side. Through the Sonora Desert, 109 degree heat, and sand, <laughs> and things like that. So, uh, I'm going to two thirds of the route is different than the one I took before, and then the other parts. Well, you just can't escape it. In Alaska, the Yukon, there's basically one road, so you've got to ride it no matter what. And, and some things occur. The Pan American Highway is is uh, what we're trying to follow most of the way.
1: Okay, and. How are you received along the way? Do you people, they know what you're doing? Or when you stop, maybe yeah. people will know on
0: about it? I uh, a sign, and it's white, and it says Alaska to Panama. And that creates a lot of interest in people uh, from, ah, uh, you're kidding, right? You're not doing that. Oh, you're doing it on a bike all the way. Uh, so people wave honk horns. uh Yesterday we're coming in and somebody flagged me over and it was a reporter from the local digital newspaper in the town that we were writing through. And so he did an interview with me. They called their friend who spoke English and uh, she translated their questions and translated my answers. And he published an article in his uh, digital newspaper this morning, I think it was. One of the themes that it, didn't occur to me when i started this and i'm writing a book uh, as well one of the themes is how many people are so friendly and so giving and so nice and uh, just happy to see somebody out on a bicycle come through their community so it's going to be a powerful theme i think in the book of the, all the friends we made along the way
1: mm-hmm. so, i can imagine yes,
0: we're we're received tremendously well People would say, well, aren't you afraid of going through Central America, and Mexico? And I said, no. Uh, I've been here quite a bit through Mexico and parts of Central America. I'm more afraid of huh. grizzly bears in Alaska than I am uh, <laughs> in Central yeah. America.
1: Did you see any grizzly bears?
0: <laughs> we saw lots of bears, but no grizzlies. Lots of moose, fox, uh, things like that. The wildlife were was... Uh, Every day we stopped to let the bear cross the road, and uh, <laughs> I didn't see him, and there was a black bear eating berries, and just as I was riding up to him, all of a sudden he saw me, and he stood up on his hind legs, and, oh, I better just pedal a little bit faster. I didn't know he was there.
1: Yeah, that would get we
0: to see him, th- Yeah, we see him and stop and wait for the clear.
1: Yeah, yeah that would make me pedal very fast. <laughs> So your team, I'm assuming you have a team of people with you. Tell me a little bit about that. What does that look like?
0: Well, I found out that if the team is standing in the background, jumping up and down and saying, talk about me, talk about me. Okay. Uh, I see some teams.
1: dancing behind you, actually.
0: that <laughs> uh, like credible team, and it's an international team, and I wanted to to do that. Kyle Walker, he's on uh, the video and does all the video things, and he's from Chicago. Yota is from Greece, and I found out that Greece invented everything in the world that's good that comes from Greece. <laughs> and then I've got uh, Joanna, who's from Colombia and is our uh, Spanish-speaking person who helps a lot at border crossings, speaking Spanish translations and things like that, and have uh, Wayne uh, Grover, who rides with me. Uh, every day two people ride with me every day one of the other team uh, rides and then Wayne rides as well so three of us are on the road each day together so it's an incredible team and uh, we're working well together we're still friends and uh, even after three and a half months into this so it's been a and we had one other Uh, she was from uh, Holland and she was with us until Vancouver and did the Alaska Yukon part and uh, the reason she left is she did the, the rest of the part by car uh, one year ago, and she didn't do Alaska, so she wanted to join us for the Alaska Yukon BC trip.
1: Nice. Okay. So how many hours on average um, do you ride each day?
0: We start somewhere between 8.30 and 9.30. Like uh, Some days it's just hard to get everybody up, and it's still dark, and get the camp uh we have a tent trailer that we told for accommodation when we can't find an airbnb or we're in the middle of some remote area we get on the road somewhere around 8 9 o'clock and we're usually finished somewhere between four and five but uh, it depends on on different things uh, mechanical problems touch wood we haven't had many of those uh, traffic heat of the day like yesterday we left at 9 30 in the morning and we got here at seven o'clock at night uh, so it was a long day yesterday
1: mm-hmm. and then so you ride pretty much all week and then you take for rest days do you do like one day two days how does that work
0: it has varied uh, usually it's a one day a two night uh, one day stay we call a rest day where we just We need to look after different things from uh, maintenance of the bicycles to getting our laundry done to banking accounts or things like that. And when we get to sort of important destinations like where we are now, Puerto Vallarta, which is sort of the end of our coastal journey, and we turn inland and we got some high mountains to climb to get into Mexico City in that area. So we're taking a little bit longer just to get ready for the next section.
1: Okay. And how, I I know you say it a lot of Airbnbs when you can find one. How did that connection happen?
0: Again, uh, a lot of my good ideas come when I'm out on my bike each day riding uh, just as a training uh, thing or that's just what I do each day is go for a couple hours on my bike. And uh, I was thinking, gee, what I'm missing is uh, accommodation. And then I thought, well, a big chain, you know, pick your chain most of those places are on the corner of the freeway intersections where the cars go and you pull in there and you eat in the restaurant and and maybe you meet the receptionist and that's about it uh, so i thought if i did airbnb i could live in the community i could meet some of the owners i could walk around the district and see what was happening in the district And for instance, here, the owner and uh, the people came over this morning to welcome us and hear about our story and invite us down to their beach place as well. You can't get that, at least I don't think you can, with the big chains. So I was really Mm -hmm. happy. I went home and wrote a letter off to the vice president of marketing in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and about... Five minutes later, Bing, my email, and he's answered me back, and they wanted to get involved with it, and uh, they've been a great partner, and we've
1: enjoyed
0: the Airbnbs and meeting people and seeing the the community up close rather than from the corner of the freeway.
1: Yeah, I think that's a great idea, and um, yeah, probably staying at some really beautiful places too, I'm sure. And then you also have sponsorships for the ride, is that correct?
0: We have a number of uh, sponsors, uh, Evelo Bicycles, which is out of Seattle. It's a, a company that's been making uh, electric bikes for about 12 years. We teamed up and they supply us with the bicycle and the maintenance and uh, provided parts and things for us as well, like uh, spare tubes and tires. And they've been uh, an incredible uh, backer of us. Uh, they support the cause. Uh, The owner, the CEO of the country uh, company has done um, sponsored cross-country bikes before. Uh, He's driven the Pan American Highway, so he kind of knows the the route that we're doing. And we wanted to promote electric bikes as a means of touring. Lots of people are touring with normal bicycles, carrying tents and all that. And uh, we see them on the road, at least we did up in united states and canada i haven't seen anybody in mexico yet
1: it's, uh,
0: the new concept in north america a touring on electric bike it's popular in europe and that's going to catch on here and i wanted mm-hmm. to prove also i wanted to prove you could travel with two batteries and charge them up at carry on the next day
1: yeah sounds great so you were doing this um well this is because they called it the octogenarian. So your 80th birthday, did you do anything special for it in August?
0: Yeah. At the origin, originally, I said, I got to do something for my 80th. I never thought I'd make it 80 years. So I need <laughs> to celebrate. I've had enough cake and uh, that kind of traditional thing. And I've always been uh, an av- adventure cyclist, as I label myself. I like adventure and I like doing the adventures on a bicycle. So uh, I thought, well, what can I do? And I, I went through a number of topics like, oh, I could go down the Amazon. And then I eliminated that when my friend from Peru said, you know, you got to be eating snakes and monkeys' brains and things like that. Okay, maybe that isn't what I want. And uh, I tried a few other things. And then I watched a series with Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman who ride their motorcycles around the world. And the last one in that series, they rode an electric motorcycle from the bottom of Argentina to Los Angeles. And then it clicked on me. Hey, I can do that. I'll ride an electric bike from uh, North Pole, Alaska to Panama City. And I published that I would be 80 in Newport, Oregon, on August Mm -hmm. 19th. Well, a number of friends from various locations in Costa Rica and Canada and the United States oh we'll come for your birthday party and then it gets, uh, oh now I got a deadline I can't have these people flying into Portland yeah. and two or three days late so they put a lot of <laughs> pressure on to keep the wagon train moving down the highway to get there at the time. so we ended up with about 20 people in uh, Newport, Oregon for the 80th birthday nice group up uh, down on the beach it was fantastic yeah.
1: yeah that sounds nice how does your family feel about about this and what you do do they travel along with you
0: um uh, right now i gloria is here my my wife is here and she flew in to just be the three days here and then she's gonna fly back again my daughter and uh, granddaughter uh, and her husband have been a great supporter of of me uh, over the years, and uh, she thinks it's just awesome that I'm out doing something rather than uh, living in her basement <laughs> or something. <laughs> that <laughs> line. You know.
1: Yeah, no, I think it's awesome, and I'm sure they are very proud of you. I think it's a really incredible thing that you're doing. Um, now, I know along with the ride, you're trying to beat the you know record, but also, are you raising money for something on this ride?
0: Yes. Uh, If any of your listeners would like to donate, it's all about, uh, originally when I published on Facebook and some of the Facebook groups I belong to, people would say, oh, I hope you come and stay with us and offered us accommodation. Corinne in Fairbanks, Alaska, offered us their home for three days while they were away in a bicycle race in Seattle, in Washington. So we stayed there. And then uh, Nina in Panama, just over the border from Costa Rica, they offered us accommodation when we got there. So in talking with Nina, she said, do you know, why do you start in Fairbanks? Why don't you start in North Pole, Alaska? I said, I never heard of the place. Uh, I went on and looked it up. And yes, there's a city called North Pole, Alaska. And it's about 20, about 12 miles South of Fairbanks, like almost part of Greater Fairbanks, she said, "If you start there, Santa Claus has his home there—a big Christmas store with a, the world's largest Santa Claus." And when you get down to Panama, it'll be December, and it'll be time for Christmas. Why don't you raise some money for presents for children in Panama? And but they created the idea. We started mm-hmm. North Pole, uh, raised roughly. 2,000 Canadian, that, that's probably about 1500 U.S. dollars, and um, the lady in Panama, Nina, is going to put that into the uh, all the expatriates down there, hold a Christmas party for the children in their neighborhood, so it'll go in there and they'll buy some presents, and when we ride through, we'll have a, a time at the school or something for, with the children.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it turned out that Corrine and Nina are the very best friends, and they didn't know I was talking to each other and with a little bit of luck, Corrine, who started it, will end up in Panama at the end to visit her friend, Nina, at the time. So it turned out to be a pretty good uh, idea. It was just Mm -hmm. something that was missing. I wasn't given anything back before this idea came came about.
1: Yeah. And I think what a great idea. So giving something to the children and then also the children are seeing what you're doing at 80 years old. So what an inspiration.
0: I might mention that uh, one of the uh, team members, uh, Joanna from uh, Columbia, is a very petite lady, about uh, 95 pounds, under five feet tall, but a super strong mountain bike rider. And when she rides with me, and she's about 43, I think, when she rides with me in her spandex and her helmet, lots of times the young girls where we stop are really impressed that they're seeing... uh, young lady uh, accomplishing the daily rides that she's putting in, uh, up to 100 miles a day, kind of thing. So she's wow. influencing some of the young, maybe get away from the computer or TikTok or whatever they're mm-hmm. on. Yeah. <laughs> get
1: you out know. and do something. Yes, absolutely. And then if people want to donate, do they just go to your website? Is that where they would find the information?
0: Yes, uh, set up a donation uh, page there that they can donate for it. Uh, they can go in and give as much as they want, uh, and uh, we'll send that down to uh, to Panama, to Nina there just over the border, and she can buy whatever is appropriate for the children in that area.
1: Okay, great. And what is your website so that we, and we'll definitely publish this too.
0: It's uh, octoodyssey.com, and uh, just go to the menu, and there will be a, a button to click on that would take you to donation as well.
1: Okay, great. And then one last question for you. Are you planning another adventure after this one? Do you have something on the horizon?
0: Yes. the team is getting excited now. They're running around. (laughs) When we get to Panama, we're only half the way. Uh, There's still South America to do. Most of the people we meet on the road are going all the way. The problem that occurs with this particular We arrived there in December, and December, of course, in Argentina and Chile is their summertime. If we were to keep going, we would end up in the high mountains of Bolivia, Chile, and Argentina in the middle of winter. So we're going to take uh, six months off and wait for the seasons to roll around again, so that when we do start in Colombia in the end of June, I think, Uh, we'll end up in the bottom of Argentina during their summertime and we're not trapped up in the high mountains in a blizzard.
1: Mm, Yeah, uh, that's good planning.
0: (laughs) Yeah. uh, The book that I'm writing, I entitled this one, The Octogenarian Odyssey, Trading the Sofa for a Bicycle Seat. The sequel will be I Can't Stop Pedaling. It will be the story of the South American Odyssey at that time.
1: Right. Well, I look forward to uh, reading it when it's published. It's it's just fascinating. And I just love that you're out there and being an inspiration for others of all ages.
0: It is. And uh, I, I think, you know, if you were talking to seniors as your main audience and that, it's so much easier now to be traveling. When I first started back in 1968 or something like that, I just the communication, you and I talking like this, when I started uh, traveling as a young man and with my wife at that time, we were in Australia, and the only way we get information is to wait for the post to come uh, with a audio tape that was two or three weeks old and vice versa. Now, with WhatsApp and Zoom and everything else, uh, you got instant communication. It's a lot easier to travel. You can work on the road. I think that because uh, we're 80 that it's... It's impossible to travel. You can still be in touch with all your loved ones and whatever projects you're doing and things like that. Yeah. If you can um, the flying time. That's still the thing that bugs me a lot is getting on a plane and twelve hours later you get off at Say That's life.
1: Yeah. Hey, it's worth it to get to the destination, right?
0: <laughs> Rent a bicycle when you get there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs>
1: Well, great. Well, it has been so wonderful getting to meet you and talk to you. So thank you so much for taking some time um, to do the podcast on your on your rest day.
0: Well, thank you so much as well. And uh, just uh, I don't know whether you have listeners in Canada, but it's Canadian Thanksgiving Day. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody in Canada. I'm going to try and find a turkey somewhere here uh, (laughs) and celebrate. And thanks uh, for being patient and waiting for me to get to a rest day where you and I could get together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wish you well on the rest of your journey. And we will put your website on this and share this with all of our listeners. And um, again, thank you so much for taking time and good luck on the rest of your journey.
0: Thank you.